For more information on our services, visit our website at mancinilegal.com. Your first choice lawyers across Sussex. Mancini Legal presents The Late Night Lawyer, transmitted across the airwaves on your social media channels and podcasts. We are The Late Night Lawyer. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Late Night Lawyer Weekend Edition. The date today is the 9th of May 2020. We've got an action-packed, interactive show this evening with Nadine Madal coming back from the family team. Right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, here's what we're going to do tonight. We've asked you all for your Q&As on social media and via email uh, for family law matters. So what we've done is we've collated all the all the questions and we're going to put them forward now to Nadine Medow, who's here. She's going to be here for the next half hour running through all your questions that you put forward. If you haven't had a chance to put your questions forward yet, don't worry, we are going to be doing this on a regular occasion. Um, but, you know, if you've got any questions, just send them in to us at horsham.manchinilegal.com and we will schedule them for the next meeting. This is the Late Night Lawyer Weekend Edition. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome Nadine to the show. Hello, Nadine. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. This is obviously good. your second time on the show, which is good. Um, yes. Can you give the, just give the listeners a very quick overview about yourself, what you do for the, for the listeners that weren't on the first show? Yes, so I am a family solicitor and the family manager at Mancini Legal. I deal with all aspects of family law, so anything to do with relationship breakdown, um, anything to do with cohabitation agreements, separation agreements, divorce, children and finances. Excellent. Thank you, Nadine. So so what we're going to do today, we've brought Nadine on the show because we've put across some Q&As on social media over the past few days. We've had quite a few questions in. So... We're going to go through some Q&As today. Um, Nadine, did you want to just cover off the basics first regarding the Q&As? Yes. So thank you so much for sending in your questions. They were very interesting and there were quite a few key issues that have come up. So we've sort of summarised them into sort of key questions that have most commonly come up during this crisis. I just want to point out that any answers given are very generic advice and they may not be specific to your case. Um, the questions are broadly um, provided. So if you do need further advice on your current situation, please get in touch and we can arrange a consultation. Thank you, Nadine. Right. So what we're going to do, um, I've got the questions that have come in. I'm going to go through the questions with you. Um, just give you a bit of time to obviously go through them, Nadine. So the first question that came through, uh, this came through on Facebook. Um, do I have to keep paying spousal maintenance while I'm on furlough? Okay, so with spousal maintenance, it really depends whether you've got a nominal maintenance order in place or whether there's a specified amount. So if, for example, you are required to pay spousal maintenance at, I'll give an example, a rate of £500 a month and you've been put on furlough and you physically can't afford to make those payments, I would advise speaking to your ex-partner as soon as possible, letting them know of your situation. Now, some employers are furloughing on the basis of you continue to get 80% of your pay and they may top up that 20%. Other employers are not doing that. So 
if if you are in financial difficulty, if you're already making arrangements with, for example, credit card providers, other loan providers, and you're struggling to make ends meet yourself, I would advise that you contact your ex-partner and just let them know of your financial situation. There are some practical tips I could give as well. So in terms of negotiating perhaps a variation without needing to involve the courts, so you could so if you could, for example, afford £50 a month payment, you could have that in place for the next three months, just as a, an estimate. But there should always be a set amount and a review period at the end of that stage. If, if they do not agree to that, then either one of you can go back to court and seek a variation of this, uh, of the financial order. Again, how quickly that can be achieved really depends on the court's timescales. They are already pressed with other urgent cases, so it may be that there's a bit of a wait with that. But the, the key advice really is don't just unilaterally decide to stop paying without having that discussion with your ex-partner first. Thanks, Nadine. I mean, from, from your point of view, dealing with these, um, these spousal maintenance agreements, do you find that they've normally, um, they normally reach a second agreement before going to court? Is it quite feasible? It really depends on on what your communication is like in the first place. If you're able to have a, a full and frank discussion, look at it, your finances side by side and say, okay, well, this is my financial predicament. Um, they may be, even be in the same boat. They may be even worse off than you. Um, it's, it's really trying to achieve and reach an agreement without going to court. But if the court do become involved, they're going to have to look at... Um, that there has been a significant change in your circumstances and um, which justifies the immediate um, sort of financial reduction off of that spousal maintenance. So it very much just, just depends on the finances of both parties, not on just case one by of case them. basis. Definitely. Exactly. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Uh, right. Second question. This came in also on email actually. So my ex has stopped me seeing my children since lockdown began. began. Now this, this is nearly seven to eight weeks ago. Um, she lives with her elderly mother who has a heart condition. Is she right in her actions of stopping me from seeing my children? Okay, so the government guidelines are clear. Where parents do not live in the same household, children under the age of 18 can be moved between parents' homes. So the operative word there is can. It doesn't mean that parents must move their children and you need to look at it again on a case-by-case basis. So the decision to move any child is a decision for the parents to make um, after a sensible arrangement and assessment of the circumstances. So really looking at this, if there is any vulnerability, so if the child is vulnerable in terms of their health or in your case with the health of your mother um, and they're living with that child, I would sort of put put that forward and justify that because of their underlying health condition, the child should not be moved from household to household because there is a potential risk of the transmission of this disease. Um, and and I, I do believe that the risk could be considered too, too great. So um, where, where possible, if obviously contact cannot pl- take place face-to-face and that parent is missing out on the contact, contact can be facilitated via other means. So there are services so video calls skype whatsapp um, even telephone calls it's not ideal but these are unprecedented times and you have to sort of be flexible in these circumstances rather than trying to rush to court or um yeah 
argue about it. Yeah. It's about reaching a resolution. It's just very difficult, isn't it, as well? When you have a vulnerable adult um, who's high risk, it just adds even more more difficulty into the mix, really, when you know, when you're when you're trying to get visiting rights to your child. Yes. But I think sensitivity is key here and it's yeah. it's thinking that this isn't going to be forever. It's a short term solution. Um, it's it's not as if the mother's just unilaterally decided to stop contact for no good reason. This this would constitute a good reason. There are clear government guidelines in place. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's the advice that I would give. If there is a current um, court order in place which says, for example, you ought to have contact twice a week, and you, you might you might ask, is is the mother therefore in breach of the contact order? Um, technically, what the courts are saying is they're looking at the government guidance. So the government guidance would actually um, take precedence in this circumstance. Um, and again, any under uh, sorry, any underlying health condition of um, any person in your household must be taken into consideration. Excellent. Thank you, Nadine. Thanks. Um, right, turning to the next question. This came through yeah. Facebook. I've been thinking about leaving my partner for a while. Uh, he is verbally and physically abusive. So very difficult situations. Um, we own a property jointly. Can I get him to leave? Um, and if I move out, will I lose any rights over returning to my property? So there's a lot of factors there. Mm. So, as you can imagine, there has been a spike in calls that we've received, certainly um, from people that have reported such incidents, and they're scared to leave because they say, well, I'm going to be putting myself in a vulnerable position. If I go to a refuge, will I lose the right to come back to my home? And so, just sort of picking that apart, if you own a property jointly together with your um, partner, um, then regardless of the situation, regardless if there's domestic violence involved or not, you've always got the right to return to your home because it's in joint names. So even if they try to change the locks, for example, you could always validly return um, and, and get that sorted. Um, you may want to involve the police or contact a solicitor and they can give you further advice. In terms of um, domestic violence during the lockdown, what you can do to protect yourself in an emergency situation is you can either choose to leave the home or you can obtain a non-molestation order, which is an injunction. Um, this can be made without notice to your partner. So that basically means that you can apply online, uh, make the application and a court hearing will be held in the first instance without your partner being there. Now, granted, in this current climate, the hearing is most likely to happen over the phone or via video conference and once that order is granted it's going to be a temporary order and it will be it will have to be served on your spouse just to notify them that there is an injunction in place they do have an opportunity to appeal that at a later date but at least for that time period you are protected in terms of getting them to leave the home you would need an occupation order, which you can apply for at the same time as applying for the non-molestation order. And whether or not that is granted will very much depend on the circumstances of the case. So especially now with COVID-19, the judge would be considering, well, where, where is that person going to live? Is there anywhere for them to go? Um, it's going to be difficult to get them out. They are considered generally as draconian orders. So unless there is somewhere else for them to go, um, it's going to be quite hard to 
sort of pass that evidential burden and need for them to leave. So I'd say in the interim, if you are concerned about your safety, there are organisations available that are operating. So we actually do have an emergency number. Um, so we have an emergency WhatsApp. So are you okay for me to just give that to you now, yeah. Alex? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So our emergency WhatsApp is 07502544160. And Refuge are also running a service. So their number is 0808-2247. And as always, in an emergency, please call 999. They are offering a service now. So when you call from a mobile, you can stay on the phone, but you can be silent. And if you just press 55, an operator will connect to you. So that's just an invaluable service available if you are in immediate danger and if you are concerned for your safety and welfare. Um, just a final point, I just wanted to, and I do appreciate I'm sort of um, going quite into depth with this answer, um, but Boots Pharmacy are also offering um, support via their consultation rooms. So they have safe spaces. So you can go to any Boots Pharmacy and they can give you that option to call any of these sorts of helplines, give you further advice and guidance. So that's a safe haven for you. If you if you can't get out of the house, um, then of course just call nine 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 for immediate help. Thank you, Nadine. Very very helpful. And I think you know this is it's an ever growing area, isn't it? At the moment, given given the fact that we are all isolated, and like like Nadine said, um, it's an area we're getting quite a few inquiries on at the moment. So very topical and. Uh, you know, very, very well covered. So thank you. Um, right. Turning to, just turning to the next question, this is more pet related. So uh, my, my ex moved out a couple of weeks ago and has taken my dog with her. Okay. I brought the dog before our relationship began and all the paperwork is in my name. Uh, will I have to give her, well, sorry, will I have to take her to court to get access back to the dog? Okay, so just uh, generally answering your question. So in the UK, dogs are classed as chattels. So like any other form of property, such as, I don't know, a wardrobe or a mirror, um, courts do not view them as sort of separate entities. They're not treated like children, for example, from a legal standpoint. Therefore, if there's a decision that can't be mutually um, agreed between you both, so unless you can have a, a discussion about who should have the dog, um, either on a short-term or a long-term basis, or if you cannot share those arrangements, um, then then court should be the last option and the last resort. The sorts of things a court may be looking at is who bought the dog. So if you've got a receipt of a purchase to show ownership, that may be a persuasive factor. The courts will also be looking at who the key provider is or was to the dog. So who pays for the vet bills and the insurance, and most importantly, who's whose name the insurance is in, things like microchipping as well. If your name is down on, on the dog's records as the microchip uh, sort of the, the key person, that may also be a persuasive factor. Um, and also who's registered with the vet. Um, but as I say, the most important thing is to try and reach a re resolution amongst yourselves. If you can't, you can get a solicitor involved or even a mediator and court should really be seen as a last option because the courts are already busy at the moment with other urgent matters such as domestic violence applications and emergency child applications. I would sort of urge you to try and keep this out of the court where possible. 
Excellent. Thank you, Nadine. I think, like you say, mediation, normally a very, very good route with things like this. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. Question that came in via email. Uh, I've been self-isolating now with my daughter who has cystic fibrosis uh, for the past 10 weeks. Her father is insisting that I let her out of the house to see him. There is a court order in place which says that he is to have contact with her twice a week. The order was made last year. Am I in breach of the order? Should I carry out what, you know, what the question says? Mm-hmm. So, Again, it's very much like the answer I gave uh, just prior, so a bit earlier in the show. If there is a court order in place, yes, the judge will will be looking at that. But if you can try and reach an agreement outside of courts, amongst yourselves, um, look at the practicalities of it. If if they've been self-isolating for that length of time, obviously the, the daughter cannot go out of the house. It's not unreasonable. It's a safeguarding and a necessary safeguarding um, exercise. It's not as if the parent is just trying to willfully breach the court order. And that's the distinction. There's government guidance in place. Uh, the daughter has an underlying health condition. And I'm assuming as well, because she has cystic fibrosis, she would have actually had a letter from her doctor or from the government um, to say that she is a high-risk category. So what what your ex-partner could do is apply to the courts if you can't agree, and a judge can sort of make that call and make an assessment. But again, it's, it depends on the, the circumstances of the case. But I'll say this one here, it's pretty cut and dry. Uh, the, the daughter does have a serious health condition. And again, it's linked to breathing. So one of the factors of this COVID is um, that it does affect people with respiratory conditions such as asthma, cystic fibrosis. So um, again, I'd, I'd tread carefully with that one if, if, if I was sort of the ex-partner. Um, yeah. So that, that's sort of the advice that I'd give. But if you did want further advice, we can um, provide consultations. Um, so please just get in touch. Excellent. Thank you, Nadine. Given the impact of COVID-19 uh, on the on the overall volumes that the courts are dealing with at the moment, a question that came in uh, was, I'm in the middle of court proceedings currently and have a hearing scheduled. Uh, do you think, you know, this will go ahead? Now, I mean, from my, from my point of view, a lot of the family hearings, sorry, not family hearings, the employment hearings that I'm dealing with have been postponed um, and also the county court. So what, how's, it, how's it going in the family courts, Nadine? So whether or not your hearing is postponed really would depend on what sort of case you've got in court um, and also the urgency of it. So I've had a few cases in court myself where financial proceedings are at the first hearing and that first hearing was at least um, in the March sort of April period and they were being postponed and pushed back unless the the applicant solicitor or the applicant can make arrangements via telephone um, call or again via Skype or Zoom. So hearings are still happening, albeit at a, a more limited capacity, um, but other matters, say for example, final um, Children Act applications, they're being pushed back because obviously any child arrangements are being hampered or affected by um, what's going on. So they, they are at a reduced capacity. Obviously, judges and barristers are grappling with these new technologies. Um, so it's not really running as smoothly as we would have hoped, but they are they are sort of getting there. But the, the sort of long and short of it is, if you're concerned about whether or not your case is going to go ahead, it's good to sort of 
get in touch with the other side as soon as possible, have constant communications with them and the court just so you know where you stand. Thank you, Nadine. I mean, Nadine, thank you for, for going through these questions so comprehensively. It's been brilliant. And uh, I think it's probably helped a lot of people out there, you know, who had who put the questions forward. And as a show, we're, you know, I've said we're going to be doing this periodically, you know, raising any, uh, so answering any questions that are raised on social media. So I would encourage everyone to just keep questions coming in and we'll set some time, time aside over the course of the next few weeks. Uh, for Nadine to come back. Um, I mean, from your experience, Nadine, what trends are you currently seeing really with with inquiries? I mean, where are they leaning at the moment? So really, all, all of the questions that I've, I've answered today, they're, they're just encapsulated within the show. So the mm. key ones are um, domestic violence and mm. obviously we're all at home more now and any, any sort of abuse. It doesn't have to be physical abuse. It can be mental, psychological, um, more obscure are those those are really the sorts of issues that are coming out more and more now because we're at home more and you know it can be like a boiling pot really for some couples so that's really one of the main issues I'm seeing another one is as well anything to do with the children it seems to be a, a time where um there's a lot of questions and there's a bit of uncertainty as well I mean the government guidance has been criticized of not being really as clear and transparent but um i've I've sort of from from further discussions with solicitors i've I've sort of noted myself that it is clear um, what the main gist of it is that children can travel between households but it doesn't mean mean that they must we have to look at other factors and have to consider those um also if if your employment situation has changed or your income has changed then any questions surrounding spousal maintenance, especially if you're, you're the person paying that spousal maintenance or who is liable for that, that has also been a key issue and that's been highlighted during this period. Thank you. Thanks again, Nadine. Uh, for, for the listeners, if you just want to give your details on how people can get hold of you. Yes. So if you, if you go on the Mancini legal website, we have a, uh, chat bot so if you do have any queries you could just um, type it in there and then we can arrange a free consultation um, so I, I offer a free 30 minute consultation um, it can be done over the phone or via video chat um, you can also contact me on the office number so the general number is 01403337337 or you can contact me via email so it's nadine n-a-d-i-n-e dot model m-o-a-double-d-e-l at mancinilegal.com fantastic thank you so much nadine uh very informative comprehensive right, thank uh, you for having me again hour. no excellent yeah. excellent and we'll be doing more of these uh over the you know the course of the next coming weeks so th- thanks a lot nadine right. nice talking to you thank you for more information on our services across haywards heath and mid sussex visit our website at mulcairjenkins.co.uk The Late Night Lawyer Okay, ladies and gentlemen, a big, big thank you to Nadine today for being on the show. It's an amazing half hour covering many of the questions that a lot of you are putting forward here on social media and on email um, regarding family law and, you know, the real sensitive aspects that are affecting everybody. Um, during this very difficult time of isolation.
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we're going to l- close the show tonight with um, a song that's been produced and sung by a new up-and-coming artist. His name is Daniel Feinberg. He, he is from Mapletown in New Jersey. And the song is Weathered Rocks featuring Mel Yaris. So I'll leave you with this song. Fantastic, upbeat track. I thank him very much for allowing us to play this song on our show. And I wish everybody a keep safe. And we'll be back with the midweek Late Night Lawyer on Wednesday night. Thank you. Keep safe. interested in making contact with our featured artist tonight daniel feinberg you can get hold of him on feinberg music 
That's F-E-I-N-B-E-R-G music at gmail.com. Thank you very much, Daniel, for allowing us to use your, your excellent track in tonight's show. For more information on our services, visit our website at mancinilegal.com. Your first choice lawyers across Sussex.